Today's episode of That Song From That Movie is coming up right after this. I just wanted to let you know about our friends over at Murmur Murders. So they're a true crime comedy podcast with new episodes each week. So if you like your true crime with a splash of comedy, all contained in a nice 20 to 30 minute episode, Murmur Murders are the podcast for you. You can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Murmur Murders. And why don't you let them know that we send you. Enjoy the show. The Men in Black are Galaxy Defenders, or we're more podcast offenders. We go off the grid and go above the law on another enthralling that song from that movie. Bonjour. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your best of the best of the best sir host dietrich and we are joined today by your first last and only line of defense against the worst scum of the universe alex it's <laughs> a lot of pressure a lot of pressure to put on me there god help us all yeah i know yeah god <laughs> we're all doomed and we're also joined by well he's not hosting an intergalactic gegger it's ben <laughs> <laughs> now i can't imagine what that'd be like i don't know what drinks to get in oh gosh Space punch. There's a lot of pressure on the host. You tell me about it. <laughs> what if they've got allergies? There's more pressure on me. <laughs> I'm the last line of defence. <laughs> You've just got to make drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just behind the bar. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I think it's like it's a badge. At, um, brownies or something. Uh, maybe not brownies, but like rainbows. You know, like one of those or scout like Girl Scouts is like cocktail making or hosting. Is it? Is it actually a thing? Yeah, it definitely was. I'm not sure whether it still is, but it's yeah, it's like hostess badge <laughs> or something. How bad is that? Dodgy. So how are you today? Good. <laughs> it's another beautiful day to look at from hey. the window of my house. <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode without Ben saying something like that. It's actually nice up here for once, actually. Yeah, it's, yep. it's been really nice. Weather. Well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's exactly the same. Not that I can see any of it because my curtains are closed. Cur- your curtains are closed? Yes, because there was somebody doing some gardening with a strimmer. So I tried to muffle the sound. I've closed the curtains. Oh, that's what you meant by strimmer. I did not know what you were on about before. In my head, it was one of the, like it was like a, like an electric plane, you know, one of those things that like trims wood and like it comes off with like the, all the little curls. I thought that was fun. Are they not called strimmers? Am I being stupid? They might no, they are called strimmers, yeah, like a... I, well, I would have called it a hedge trimmer, like a trimmer. Wait, wait, it depends what we're on about. The thing that you cut the edge of the grass. Yes, that. Yes, see. Or like a whacker. <laughs> like a weed whacker. What? <laughs> no! No, it's just a strimmer. Right. It's like you hold it in like two hands and you kind of go back and forth. Yeah, I've got one of those. And a little bit of plastic string sort of spins around really quickly. I do have one, but I, I refer to it as the whacker. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what did you used to call your remote control? A clicker? A clicker. Mm. Someone used to call it a doofer. No, we didn't call it that. Not me. We called it a chopper. A chopper? Just the control. Used it to chop and change between channels. Ooh. Madness. Pure madness. Oh, there's, there's, yeah, yeah. I was having a good day until this. <laughs> <laughs> Setting the tone for the rest of the podcast. Okay, so today's episode is Men in Black by Will Smith, which is surprisingly from the movie Men in Black, which surprisingly stars Will Smith. <laughs> Keep those facts coming, D. That's about the level I've got in my notes. <laughs> they wore black suits. Start strong. Boop, 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 boop. 
So I'll take you back to the summer of 1997. The song was released in June, the movie in July, right in the middle of summer. One hit wonder, Hanson reached the top of the charts in the UK with Mbop. Dat bop, goo bop. <laughs> I mean, it's a tune. It is, yeah. I just like, I couldn't imagine just sitting in the writing room and just writing that song, that chorus. Part of my notes, it wasn't written as a chorus. It was supposed to be the backing vocals for another song's verses, but when they were recording, it got stuck in their head so much, they decided to take it out of that song and make it the chorus and work backwards and write the rest of the song around it. Well, there you go. That does make perfect sense when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, well, it yeah. does sound like backing vocals. Yeah, and there's no sure there's no way you can start with that as like the idea. Yeah, so it, it does make sense that it, it came from another song like that. Does it make you feel summery when you think of the song? Yes. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> a questionable summertime. I think maybe it makes me feel old. Well, I bet Hanson feel old. They probably are. <laughs> I just imagine they hadn't aged. Well, yeah, I don't I don't know. Were, were they like 11 when they released that song? One of them was. Yeah, the youngest was like really young, but like I think the older brother was like late teens, maybe, was he? He looked a lot older. He looked <laughs> a bit like Chad Kroger in my head, you know, from Nickelback. <laughs> like maybe it was. Sh- Maybe, maybe. I think that would have been like more of more noteworthy if it was though. That would have been one of those facts, like Big Mo and EastEnders being Gary Oldman's sister. Yes. <laughs> what? How are those <laughs> facts comparable? What a weird pull out of the of the brain. It's not the, the facts themselves act similar. It's the fact that everyone knows them and everyone thinks it's obscure. Like an obscure yes, fact. Just that that was at the front of your brain. <laughs> to, to, that's what I mean, to pick out of all the facts. It's true. <laughs> yeah, tr- yeah, sure. I understand exactly what you mean, Dave. Gary Oldman's younger than Gary Newman. Oh, that was a good one. I like that. Right, I digress. So in, <laughs> in sports news, one of the most controversial, well, one of the most notorious boxing matches of all time occurred. So it was the rematch between the heavyweight champion Evander Holyfield and the challenger Mike Tyson. So this is the match where Tyson gave a big old chomp on, well, actually both, uh, yeah. of Holyfield's ears. And eventually the match was uh, thrown out. <laughs> For good reason. Like I said, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> well, it happened twice. Like, he bit him once and then continued the match and then he did it again. Yeah, that is weird they bit him once and it was allowed. <laughs> it's like he wanted to be disqualified. Yeah. Well, I've read it and the ringside doctor said that biting in the ear had no effect on boxing. So it was fine to continue. Even though, like, his ear is just gushing blood. God. That's quite fitting, isn't it, that since there's in the news this week, there's talk of Tyson and Holyfield having a third bout. Was it Tyson and um, Tyson Fury? Like, my Tyson, Tyson Fury at first? Has that just been completely thrown out now? That was definitely talk of that, like, as as a charity boxing match. Mike Tyson needs some money. Uh, So for this match, Tyson was given a $3 million fine and had his boxing license revoked, but it was later reinstated on appeal. (laughs) <laughs> Come on! Just put this context of the fine into how much money the entire bout made. Bout just from pay-per-view buys made $150 million. So the fine was chump change. <laughs> yeah, he could afford to bite someone's ear. Yeah, and obviously his first match after having his license reinstated covered that fine and then some. Uh, I would imagine, based on the figure that you just mentioned before, yeah, quite easily. So essentially there was no repercussions for this. <laughs> Terrible. And yeah, I've got now some sad news. The final ever episode of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, aired in America. No, no, no. That no. was a good show. That was a good show. I remember liking it as a child, but I don't know if that's just because it was Superman on TV or whether or not it was actually a good show. 
I do not want to go back to it. Uh, yeah, no, I've never. I can't say I've ever had the urge. Yeah, I always remember the intro was really cool because it had the. Did it have like a version of the John Williams Superman theme over it? It was something. It was a really cool theme. I just remember watching it, and it had the sort of the billowing S symbol. I think. Yeah, that's the only thing I remember about the show. <laughs> I can't remember the music. Yeah, I can't either. I feel like I definitely must have watched the show after it had already finished airing. If it if it stopped airing in ninety seven. Well, that's when it aired in America. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was definitely on Saturday nights in the UK on ITV. Yeah. Yes, it was Saturday nights because I was always at my grandma's watching it. Yeah, I was at the caravan. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's exactly the same time that Gladiators was like the biggest show on TV. So I don't know if it's a case that they waited for Gladiators to finish. It was like, yeah, it was like Blind Date. There was like Noel's House Party, Gladiators. Stars in Your Eyes. Stars Stars in Your Eyes, yeah. Come on. I was so confused <laughs> how quickly matter. they came out of the, that, that smoke <laughs> when I was a kid. And you still don't understand now. <laughs> took me a long time, probably longer than I, than it should have done to realise it wasn't live. <laughs> it's genius bit of editing, that, isn't it? it? How do they make him look like it. Lionel Richie so quick? <laughs> if they bring it back, it needs to be live and we see a camera backstage of them being like spray-painted. That's, that's what I thought. Honestly, as a kid, I thought there was like fifty people there, and like, they had two seconds, and then they each like like an F one pit stop, and just someone did like a different thing each. Yeah, oh, like the help. makeup, yeah, the makeup gun, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I go both one there. If there's any l- listeners who have recently watched Lois and Clark, let us know if it still holds up. All <laughs> stars in your eyes. So let's crack on. So the film we are talking about today is Men in Black, which was released in July 1997 and directed by Barry. Sonnenfeld, I'm going to guess it's pronounced. Probably should have watched a video of him pronouncing the name. <laughs> I feel like we've all seen this movie, but my notes I've written down the premise, so I'm going to read it out anyway. Go for it. <laughs> Men in Black is the story of a super-secret government agency who are essentially the task force for all things alien on Earth. Our heroes, Agent J and Agent K, uncover a deadly part of an intergalactic terrorist on a mission to assassinate an ambassador from an opposing galaxy who just so happens to be residing in New York City. <laughs> How convenient. And what I do like about this first film is they're protectors of the world. And then in the most recent film, it's like, actually, they just deal with America. <laughs> is this the international one? Or is this like the men like three or four that you're talking there? Oh, inter- international, yeah. Oh, is that not... Se- I thought it was like a UK-based thing. I've not seen the film. It's Australia, isn't it? I've not seen it either. I thought it was based in London. I thought the whole oh, point is it was the London branch. And it was like, why is there a London branch if they defend the whole world? Yeah, yeah. Weird. I don't know why. I, for some reason, because it was Chris Hemsworth, I didn't know if it was some sort of Australian-based thing. And it's Tessa Thompson, isn't it? Yeah, and Liam Neeson. Oh, didn't even know Liam Neeson was in it. My gosh, he's he's really phoning him in recently. <laughs> <laughs> so, Men in Black is loosely based on the Marvel comic of the same name. And for anyone says, it's a Marvel comic only in the sense that through like company after company after company being acquired, eventually ended up in Marvel's hands, um, Disney's hands, I guess now. So is it Disney that did this new film? Was this like, oh, we're relaunching Men in Black? I think it was under Sony, like similar to how Sony so had the rights to Spider-Man, but Spider-Man's a Disney-owned character. I just assume every film that is ever released in the cinema now is Disney. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be far off. No. <laughs> I bet it's about, yeah, it's probably like 60% at least. It's probably over half. I mean, in fairness to Disney, I don't think they've released any movies in the past two months. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've not released them in cinemas. The comic is loosely based on the conspiracy theory regarding a secret alien-related government faction. So, like, Roswell, Alien 51. Alien 51? No, Area 51. <laughs> alien 51. That would be a rubbish name for it, wouldn't it? <laughs> we don't, we're not going to tell you what's behind this fence. 
Oh, no, this is Area 51A. <laughs> Does the A stand for alien? <laughs> okay, so, so to me, this uh, The Men in Black, the movie, not the comic or the conspiracy theory, the movie or is... the actual men. <laughs> the men are pretty cool. Uh, so I think the movie is near perfect. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's much that you can say. Like the casting, like obviously the chemistry between Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. The story, just everything about it. To me, just everything clicks into place. I assume you guys have seen it. So what do you think? Well, I watched it yesterday and I can say it's not perfect because there's one little thing that gripes me, which is they're in the headquarters and Will Smith is looking at a giant picture of the World's Fair when he thinks where the bug's going. And Tommy Lee Jones is supposed to be typing on a keyboard and he's just sort of like wringing his fingers. He's not pressing them at all and it, it oh, was yeah. really bothering me. He's just doing this sort of like gesture as if like like almost Mr. Burns style. It's really annoying. Other than that, yeah, it's a very good film. <laughs> That's a very specific gripe you've got there. You said I was being specific with the Big Mo reference. <laughs> I watched it yesterday. I wasn't watching EastEnders yesterday. My opinions on the film are going to be a lot less specific than Ben's because I did not watch it yesterday. I, d- I feel like I've not seen this film from beginning to end since about probably like the year 2000. Um, I've, I've really not seen it wow. in ages. But we used to have it on VHS, and I think at the time we we must have watched it like a hundred times. So I've seen it a lot, but it was all about twenty years ago. But I mean, I loved this film growing up when I used to watch it all the time on, v- like I say, on VHS. Because at that time, when you had VHS, you only had like about six. So you had to watch them all on repeat constantly. So unless you had like tapings off the TV, which we obviously did. But <laughs> that aside, I-, I really loved this film. I thought it was great. I don't think any of them yep. after it have lived up to it, personally. But maybe we'll get to that in a future episode. Maybe we'll get to it in this episode. I don't know. But yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, I don't have anything in my notes about future movies. So if you quickly want to rank them, go for it. Probably goes in, in number order, doesn't it? It goes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Or do you think three is better than two? I think three is better than two. That's yeah. That's the I, only thing I would swap around. A lot annoys me about two. I think it's got good bits, but three, I, I no, I just, I, I think I'm just, I was just fed up with it all. But it didn't seem to detract from when I rewatched it yesterday. I thought it was good when I was a kid. When I rewatched it, I thought, yeah, it's just a really well done blockbuster. Yeah, I was surprised to see that it was. Um... PG. I don't know why that surprised me. Yeah, I was surprised watching it. There was a lot. There's, I swear, there's quite a lot of cursing. Yeah, because I was thinking that like, why would I have seen this film so many times when I was about seven, eight, <laughs> that kind of age? And I was like, that's yeah, because it was a PG, <laughs> which I do think was weird. But I guess like there was less. They tried to make films PG because of the twelve ranking, didn't they? Because it was before it changed to twelve A. I don't know what year that was. Whenever the first Spider-Man came out. Yeah, so yeah. it was a few years after this film. Yeah, so they really tried to like make it. They tried to pull them down, didn't they, to get bigger audiences? So probably that that explains why it is a PG. Yeah, but it does surprise me thinking about what happens in the film that it had that rating. There's a lot of aliens being exploded, but maybe that's okay. Maybe there's there was no rules about that because it's not like a human. <laughs> if you can shoot an alien, <laughs> that's fine. There's rules that say you can't shoot someone point blank in the face. It's like ah, but can you shoot an alien? <laughs> An alien's not someone. There's not, nothing in the rulebook here. No. <laughs> Do they? I think they get they get away with it a lot, but when they shoot something, it usually explodes. <laughs> so that, it, yeah, that yeah. for some reason, is less sort of... It's more comical. Yes. Yeah, it's less horrific. It's, just, it's not gore. There's no human blood. There's no there's no blood splatter. It's just like, yeah, goop from Get Your Own Back. It's, it's like a, a blue liquid that they always use on, say, like adverts for health products because it can't be related to anything human. <laughs> yeah. 
health products. Oh, you mean, yeah. <laughs> right, I get what you're referencing. <laughs> feminine beauty products. Fe- feminine beauty products, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which are inexplicably taxed in the UK. What, goop? Yes, the goop is taxed. Doesn't she have like a candle that smells like her vagina? Uh, oh! Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, is it? Gwyneth, yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow. I was thinking, yeah. what on earth are you on? <laughs> yeah, goop. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she has all sorts of weird stuff. For, for a description, I'm pretty sure she has a, a candle or a perfume anyway that smells, is supposed to smell like her lady parts. Yeah, doesn't she like recommend that you like stick like jewels or gems? Yeah, it's like that? crystals. It's these little like, they're sounds... like 65 quid. It's like these little crystal things. Yeah, it sounds very unhygienic. <laughs> I bet she's an alien. <laughs> yeah, she probably is. Yeah. Nicely uh, linking it back to the film there. <laughs> what film? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Moving on to the song. The song is called Men in Black by Willard Carroll Smith Jr. And that was released in June 1997. Much like the film, I think it's without question a fantastic movie tie-in song. Written from the perspective of Agent J, the song explains the concept of the Men in Black and does so with the swagger and the expected PG-ness of an early solo career Will Smith. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Is this early solo career? It's his first solo song. This is his first song, isn't it? Yeah. Before that, it was DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a great song. Head swaying, toe tapping, it just really gets in you into a groove for it. It's a floor filler. It's a floor filler. A qualified banger. As he is known to do. <laughs> I mean, how many other films has Will Smith done with song movie tie-ins? I can think of at least two. Actually, I can think of three. What were the other two? Uh, well, Men in Black 2, obviously. Okay, yep. Yep. <laughs> Wild Wild West. Yep. And Hitch. Yep. Switch from Hitch. It's Switch from Hitch. <laughs> Yeah. Did not know Switch was from Hitch. There wasn't one in I Am Legend. <laughs> what would that be? <laughs> I don't know. Not uh, The Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah, no, or uh, Seven Pounds. I was surprised. <laughs> was was Independence Day before this? Yeah, was it just that, before? Was his, that was his first sort of big blockbuster. If that had been afterwards, there probably would have been one for that. <laughs> yeah, they hadn't realised the connection. I don't know. It's that kind of film, though, isn't it? This is a bit more lighthearted. I don't know if you could sing a song. If Will Smith's style fits with Independence Day. <laughs> there is that scene where he punches the alien in the face. Yeah, I know. But you could yeah, what, just have a song called Welcome to Earth. Yeah, there you go. Writes itself. Which would work for this film as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it could have done. Well, I guess this is Will Smith at his height of superstardom. He was probably what one of, if not the biggest bankable star in the US, if not the world. Except for Wild Wild West. This was the film that made him that, though, wasn't it? Because I wouldn't have said he was before. Well, I guess, like we were saying, Independence Day was huge. Yeah, but it was an ensemble ensemble cast, wasn't it? He was only like a small part of it. Yeah, Yeah, well, Independence Day had come out 4th of July the year before, and this one came out. 4th of July as well, and it was after this film did well, he was dubbed, according to the US media, as the king of 4th of July. Such a lazy nickname. (laughs) It's terrible, isn't it? He's the king of 4th of July. He's like got an independence man or something, I don't know. I mean, that's that's also not good. That's that's worse. (laughs) (laughs) Independence man. (laughs) The independence man. Because he independently uh, makes films successful. Terrible. Yeah, it's still terrible. Yeah, it's always funny with Will Smith. I always feel like a sort of sadness of how his career has gone of late because I guess there's no such thing really. Maybe Tom Cruise that you have tentpole films which are propped up by an actor. 
a bankable star. Whereas now it's all about the the title, you know, what franchise is it in? What connection is it? It's the existing property and not who's in it. And more or less stars are made overnight based on the character. Whereas these films, you went to see them because who was in it? I mean, you, you take like Robert Downey Jr., probably one of the biggest paid actors in the world because of Iron Man, goes and makes Doctor Doolittle. It's terrible because nobody goes to see a film based on an actor anymore. It's based on the property. And I feel Will Smith has suffered of late because of that. People still like him, but he just doesn't have that pulling power anymore. Yeah, it's true. I wouldn't even say Tom Cruise nowadays has that either. It, yeah. it, I guess it's just because I always think of Mission Impossible, which kind of is him. <laughs> yeah, well, it's that franchise that always does well. But like things like The Mummy and uh, what was that one on the moon or something? like? Oh, Oblivion. Oblivion, yeah. There's a film called uh, Passenger with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence oh, yes, in it. Yes. Oh, yes. And that was supposed to be like they were trying out again the concept of it being an actor-led film where people would, you know, because it was when they were both in the height of their yes. popularity. And they sort of made that film as a vehicle for those two to drive to see how well it would do. You more see that with TV shows nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. But yeah, at this point, what, 1997, you've got Will Smith, bankable movie A-lister. He's probably, uh, what I'm assuming, a multiple platinum selling singles. Big TV star. Yeah, of course. Yeah, sorry, I forgot about that as well. Yeah, he's just everything you could probably want in an individual. And I guess, I, I won't say he carries the film at all, because I think it's it's a great concept. Tommy Lee Jones is his brilliant deadpan delivery. I just can never tell if he's enjoying himself or not. I assume he was, because he came back and made others. But he just always looks like he's hating it, because I always remember the story that Tommy Lee Jones refused to ever work <laughs> with Jim Carrey ever again after... <laughs> which which Batman is it? Batman Forever. Batman, Batman Forever, yeah. He said, because he, he... That's the thing. So I always assume Tommy Lee Jones just has no time for humour, whereas this film is very silly. Do you remember the quote Tommy Jones said about Jim Carrey? No. Oh, please go. He said, I'm sorry, I cannot sanction this buffoonery. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sounds like a Tommy Jones quote, doesn't it? I cannot sanction this buffoonery. That's magnificent. My only regret about the song is that Tommy Lee Jones is not in the video. I feel that would have been a very hard pitch to Tommy Lee Jones. Probably just a music video. What is, what is this fling and flang and music thing you're talking about? <laughs> the old sound box? I heard he was really up for it, and then the director of the video said, there's a lot of buffoonery going on. He was like, whoa, 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 I'm out. <laughs> Jim Carrey was doing the motion cap for the area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably should go back to my notes. <laughs> <laughs> So the song samples Forget Me Not by Patrice Russian, but it changes the lyric of To Help You To Remember to They Won't Let You Remember in reference to the neural... Neuralizer? That's what it's pronounced, isn't it? Uh, You know, the little flashy thing. The song went to number one all around the world, but not in the United States. Really? So for some inexplicable reason, uh, the song was never released as a physical CD in the United States. Because of that, it wasn't allowed to enter the charts, though it was played on... TV and radio and won lots of airplay awards. But oh, yeah, you couldn't so actually weird. buy the CD in America for some reason. That's really I couldn't find a reason why either. It just it didn't make sense. It was released in other countries, just not not in like the biggest market for this song. <laughs> I can only assume it's some sort of distribution sort of argument or something, you know, within the contract. It makes no sense otherwise. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. nowadays, a movie studio will do everything in their powers to drain every revenue source. Yeah. Maybe it was, like you said, like a distribution issue uh, between like the people who made the film, the production company, and whoever made the song. Maybe the yeah. rights thing. Sadly, the song did not win an Academy Award. It wasn't even nominated. That's a travesty. Outrageous. But keeping in mind when this movie was released and the song was released, can you figure out what won that year? 
97 is it something we've already done oh wait so this but this was july 97 wasn't it so it would yes. have been the 98 oscars oh well that yeah that that sometimes if it's really early they miss out don't they the oscars they're very sort of last three months heavy when was titanic was that the same year Ooh. was it titanic it was titanic here as my heart yeah. will go on so it never stood a chance no <laughs> however it did win a grammy award for best solo rap performance the grammys <laughs> just have every sort of category ever don't they <laughs> It's a category that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> solo rap. I bet Celine Dion didn't win one. <laughs> I think she has probably has about 50 Grammys, though. About how many of the solo rap performance Grammys? <laughs> Imagine if she did. I thought Celine Dion was the alien singing. <laughs> That's a good point. It's not a solo rap performance, is it really? It's a, it's a rap performance with a classical singer. It, sh- it should have been in the other category. Which, uh, P- which P. Diddy won with uh, I'll Be Missing You. Uh, Faith Evans. Oh, yeah. Was that, that, was that this year? Yep. Oh, that's a good song. Because of that Grammy, Will Smith is essentially halfway to an EGOT. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, wait, I say, oh, really, as if, like, he's ever going to get these things. <laughs> well, yeah, it, need, it needs an Emmy and an Oscar and a Tony. Wait, you say halfway? <laughs> halfway. No idea. <laughs> it's a quarter of the way towards... In a category that doesn't even exist anymore. I'm surprised it hasn't won an Emmy. <laughs> they hand their nose out. I'm really interested now. How many people have, have an EGOT? I did not put that in my notes. <laughs> have an EGOT. Oh, I don't know. 15 people. 15 people. Meryl Streep. Yeah, she's got a PGOT. She's got a Peabody Award as well. I'm just looking for names I actually recognise. There's a thing with the EGOTs though where there's 15, but it's like questionable because there's a few TV Emmys and it's like, does that count? <laughs> Uh, because you can get a TV Emmy. Uh, well, you used to be able to get one just by, say, going on the UK equivalent of This Morning, whatever it is in America, and performing your song from the film. <laughs> yeah, that seems a lot more. It seems a lot more. There's a lot more in this list from really early, like, yeah. um, sort of like Audrey Hepburn's in it. Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. And soon, Will Smith. <laughs> Once he gets the other three. John Legend? That makes sense. That's not a surprise, John Legend. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. John Legend is in the list, yeah. Something which is very good about this song, and I guess it's connected to the movie, is the music video. Yes. I was just thinking that we're going to get onto the music video. Please go on. Yeah, we had to talk about it. It's perfectly in keeping with the aesthetic of the movie. It uses alien... What's it called? Mike, Mikey? I think it's Mikey. From the beginning of the film, so... It's already got that sort of uh, connective tissue. <laughs> I only just realised it was that. I only just realised it was that uh, alien. Really? Yeah. They just use the, the character design because it acts and speaks completely different to the film. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, cause, yeah. It tries to kill people in the film. <laughs> exactly, and it, and it's blown up. It's killed in the film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where's the continuity, Will? Maybe the song was before. <laughs> Well, that wouldn't make sense, would it? Yeah, because Jay's an agent. Because <laughs> he's not in the member. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the video is so perfectly like encapsulating the movie that people I've read online actually thought that this was at the end of Men in Black, almost like during the credits. <laughs> Similar to the Shrek in the Swamp karaoke dance party that people seem to think is the ending of Shrek when it's not. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it had to get mentioned eventually, didn't it? The Shrek in this one, Karaoke Dance Party. <laughs> we will be doing an episode on it at some point, even though it's not an actual movie. It's a lot of short. It was like on the end the of the film on the VHS version, wasn't it? Yeah, so the film ends, it has the like animated credits, and then it plays a Shrek in this one, Karaoke Dance Party on the VHS. On the DVD, it's just an option. Yeah, I assume in the cinema it didn't play it. So yeah, some nope. people thought that this came on afterwards. I suppose that yeah. kind of makes does kind of make perfect sense, you know, like where the uh, little block comes inside of the credits and it's it would be playing there, like what happens in Toy Story and stuff. <laughs> yeah, 
when it was uh, made, it was one of the most expensive music videos of all time, costing a third of Mike Tyson's fine. <laughs> That's the measure. Continuity. <laughs> one million dollars. One million dollars. That's, that's, that's more than the entire budget for Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> Are we just doing loads of continuity between all our episodes? <laughs> Obviously. Might as well. We're, cre- yeah, we're yeah. creating a world, a podcast world now, then. <laughs> sort of cinematic universe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, TSFTMCU. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a nice yeah. ring. Try, try do that one, Dean. Try do that one at the end, Dean. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe I pulled it off that time. I'm not going to try it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just clip On the it. recording, yeah, just clip that and put it in again. It is a great music video, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's just absolutely amazing. I put co- coordinated group dances were very much like the late 90s, early noise. And I've also put lights lights oh, yeah. on sunglasses. Was This this probably wasn't the first ever time there was lights on sunglasses, but it's got to be up there. It really showed off those Ray-Bans. Yeah. Do you, 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 you know what I mean, don't you, when I say lights on sunglasses? Yeah, like the circle yeah. of dots. Yeah, the dots. Are, oh, and this are actually like lines, I think, like strip lights. But like oh, in X's yeah. and stuff, it looks pretty cool. It's funny though, like even though like the lyrics are actually describing a more or less a dance number akin to the Cha Cha Slide. Never remember doing this at like school discos. Yeah, I always remember various other ones like Cotton Eye Joe or Five Six Seven. That hey Baby song by DJ Otzi. <laughs> I'm just thinking of all like a, yeah the Hokey Cokey. I never remember doing this. Oh, the Superman song. Anything by Black Lace. Superman, yeah, um, or Star Trekking by The Firm. <laughs> it just feels like it's set up for that sort of thing. Yeah, it feels like, they, in fact, that's what they were trying to do to make it like one of those things, because yeah. it has that dance routine, doesn't it? Yeah, but I guess some of the instructions are, like for a child at a school disco, make your network. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Scream. You don't, want, you don't want those kids screaming, do you? Yeah, that's true. Maybe it was a ploy by teachers across the land to ban it because of the school. Maybe all the teachers were aliens. <laughs> And they didn't want it to uh, push the propaganda of Men in Black. Now we get into the heart. Just like Will Smith's, Will Smith's teacher is yeah, exactly. in the film. Of all the aliens it brings up on the screen, it brings up his, his like fourth grade teacher. <laughs> is it this film or the next one with Michael Jackson? It's the next one. It's the next one. Okay. I could be Agent M. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason why the second one doesn't hit the heights. Of the first. Also, also a link. Sylvester Stallone's an alien. He's on the he's on the image. Oh yeah, in Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> Something just like who's a quite odd looking actor. Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. Can we yeah. can we talk about the guy who plays the alien in this film, the main bad guy, Vincent D'Onofrio? It must be one of the greatest performances in in cinema history. This. I don't know if you guys agree, but I think it's just 100%, unbelievable. 100%. It's he's so unnatural looking. Just the way he walks. Like I've apparently put like braces on his knees so he couldn't bend his legs. It's just like you, you, you do 100% believe that there's an alien inside. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. so crazy. The voice as well, it's just amazing. Yeah. Water. I put my hands yeah. on my head. That is. <laughs> we are the worst at impressions. It always blew my mind that that was the same guy that played uh, Kingpin in The Daredevil and Jessica Jones yeah. and Luke Cage. Like, how is that the same person? <laughs> I know, it's amazing. Yeah, I think it's definitely one of the most underappreciated performances in the history of cinema. Yeah, just a bit when he's trying to smash up in the little jewels in the ca- yeah. in the van. Yeah, in yeah. in the wagon, yeah. <laughs> so good. Just goes back to me saying this is a near-perfect film. Yeah. Obviously, the one problem being Tommy Lee Jones' hands. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones' typing abilities. So, the movie went under many last-minute changes, alien redesigns and reshoots. So, I've got a list of them here. The opening scene of Jay... As in back when he was a New York Police Department officer. That bit was completely reshot. Okay. It was originally filmed at the Lincoln Center, but after they completed filming the scene, the New York Philharmonic asked for money to show the building. 
instead of paying, they decided just to reshoot the entire thing at the Guggenheim Museum instead. <laughs> Probably more expensive. I was going to say, like... I thought that as well. And I've, I've put in like brackets. I'm presuming they checked for money requests first. It, it just says it was reshot at the Guggenheim. But I need more information than that. <laughs> How much was the New York Philharmonic wanting? The same amount that it was for Mike Tyson to pay in a fine. <laughs> <laughs> the original ending was just Agent K and the bug having an existential debate. <laughs> Wait, I thought, it was, I thought the bug exploded. Ah, well, the original ending was them just literally talking. Great. It was scrapped five months into production because they realised that it wasn't a very impactful or action-packed ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of goes without saying. I like it realised as well. <laughs> Obviously. I'm, I'm sure it was probably a great scene, but, you know. Yeah, but not in this film. So there were five alternative endings, including one where Agent K is not neuralised, which I'm sure the writers of Men in Black 2 would have been happy to go with. Because <laughs> they spend the first 45 minutes of that film having to undo the ending of the first Men in Black. I, I don't think Men in Black 2 is bad, but I like that ending of the first one. Yeah, me too. elements of it, and I hate like the sort of the retcon. It's just really lazy. Yeah, and the um, Laurel is it the girl? Yeah. Oh yeah, they just yeah rip her out. Yeah, just disappears and replaced by Patrick Warburton for some reason. <laughs> oh yeah, isn't it Peter? <laughs> so with only two weeks left of production, the entire plot of the movie was changed. <laughs> it's going well. Yeah, originally the movie was going to be about two opposing alien races, the Achilleans which survived the redesign of the film, I guess. And another one called the Balchians. Balchians? It's hard to tell because it was never said on screen. The idea was that they were at war and the Earth was in the crossfires. The bug, Vincent D'Onofrio, he would still come to Earth, but only to steal the galaxy so the war would continue and they could feast on the casualties of the war. (laughs) Bearing in mind this is only two weeks left of production, so a lot of this was filmed. (laughs) How did they fix this? (laughs) How did this become the legendary film that it is? To simplify the story, because I thought it was a bit too confusing, they changed all the subtitles of the aliens, they changed the screens at the Men in Black headquarters, and all of Frank the Pug's dialogue was completely re-recorded to suit a a much simpler story, where instead an alien race is threatening to blow up the Earth to stop the bug from getting the, the galaxy. I think they did a pretty good job because I would have not noticed. No. The fact that you're saying this, Mick, <laughs> just really confuses me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, why was it so, why was it so complicated? You, you can understand like a film being quite basic to begin with and then overcomplicating it. But to like come up with like a crazy plan and then to really strip it down seems a bit odd to me. And then to do it so successfully. And then to manage to successfully do it in a, two weeks before the film was due to be finished. <laughs> Well, the good thing, though, about the, all of this is that none of it affects the lyrics of the song. They all fit no matter what. Yeah. Well, had the lyrics been similar to, oh, I better say it, the greatest song of all time, Nod Your Head, Black Suit's Coming, from Men in Black 2. <laughs> it's not even a joke. <laughs> I, th- I kind of feel the only reason you wanted to do this one with this song was so you could get to the next one. <laughs> this was in your way. Absolutely. But yeah, in that one, it specifically goes over the plot of the film, explaining characters, motivations... So I'm guessing that one didn't have a complete rewrite two weeks into production, though it would have helped. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe that would have made it better. <laughs> I'm just reading on like Wikipedia now, the people who were approached to play the characters in the film. Yeah. Clint Eastwood for Tommy Lee Jones' character. I mean, it's the same sort of no shit individual, isn't it? And then like for Jay, Chris O'Donnell turned down the role, which it doesn't surprise me that he was offered this because I feel like he was in a lot of films in this like two year period. Chris O'Donnell really needed to be in this film. <laughs> He turned it down because uh, he thought the role of a new recruit was too similar to Dick Grayson in Batman Forever. 
David Schwimmer also turned down the role. That would have been a very different film. Schwimmer and Clint Eastwood. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> that would have been a great combo. David Schwimmer and Clint Eastwood. <laughs> no, I don't think... Like I say, you needed Will Smith. Just the star power, the bonus of the song. I wonder if it was written into like just every contract of his. And I wonder who... Like, it's like, Will, we want you to do a song. Or if, if Will's coming saying, I want to do a song. He just happened to have written a song called Men in Black years earlier. <laughs> well, you, you, you know what I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's really to conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. Men in Black now is, well, it's quickly approaching 23 years old. Gosh. And we've recently had a fourth instalment. But do you still think the original film and the song hold cultural significance today? Well, I think the fact that they're still trying to remake, you know, trying to recapture what the first one did would suggest so. Because I think it kind of came at that time where they were trying to make films that were just fun. Yeah. It wasn't trying to be anything more than that, really. I think it was like knew that it was aiming for a PG audience, so there'd be a lot of kids and families watching it. So they kind of skirted on that, but it's kind of got a bit of adult humour in there as well. I think, yeah, it still does. And I'm like, if, like Ben said, if you watched it yesterday and still really enjoyed it, I think you got to say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this film, the first one, is used as a template for buddy films. In so many things following, like Rush Hour, R.I.P.D., just the, all these films, like, they're trying to recapture the Men in Black success. Men in Black's like the last where it still worked, in that sense, like the buddy cop, one hard nose and one sort of loose, jokey version, midnight run sort of style. But yeah, nothing like this works anymore because everything's an existing portfolio already behind it before it reaches the screen. And what about the song, Alex? I suppose it does. It's difficult, really, to separate these two, obviously, because the song is called Men in Black. But I guess it still would work on its own. Unlike the second one, like you said, where it directly references plot and stuff, I suppose this doesn't, really. It's kind of just a bit of a cool song about some guys in black <laughs> who fight aliens. It could, in theory, work by itself. If you took it on the whole, if I had to take either Will Smith's movie career or Will Smith's musical career... I think I'd always take Will Smith's movie career. I could easily do without his songs, as much as I enjoy a lot of them. But sort of his charisma, I feel, comes out a lot more in his films. He's just, he brings a lot to his films. And even films that have failed with him in it would have failed a lot harder if he wasn't in it. So you don't think that David <laughs> Trimmer would have become king of 4th of July? I don't think there would be Men in Black alien attack at Universal <laughs> Studios if David Trimmer was in the film. Yeah, because I mean, part of the, like it's just it's just like a coolness factor, isn't it? Like Tommy Lee Jones and, and Will Smith, they they click together, but they both just yeah. like come across as cool in their own individual way. David Schwimmer would not come across as cool. So, which brings us on to the ultimate question of movie or song, and please say which one you mean, because if you say Men in Black, <laughs> it could be either. Yeah, like we're saying, always take the movie career over the music career. I'll go for the movie. Yeah, I think we've pretty much covered what we're going to say, but yeah, film definitely over song in this case. But I'd like to keep both if that's an option, which it's not so fun. <laughs> Film for me as well, but that is no knock on the song at all. Yeah, I think that's it, yeah. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. <laughs> Let us know what you think of the movie and the song. But yeah, as I said before, make sure you tell us which one you actually mean, because they're both called the same thing. So you can tell us on Twitter, that's TSFTMPod, not TSFTMCU. Not yet. Not yet, no. So let's do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from Alex. Come and get your black bin bags. <laughs> great, great, amazing. Amazing. That's for all the uh, people listening outside of the UK. <laughs> and goodbye from Ben. Uh, Elvis isn't dead, he just went home. So, goodbye everybody. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Yeah.
Dean Cain popped up a few times and he was on them um, that show, the UK show with the skiing, you know, with the celebrity ski, what's it called? The jump. The jump. Oh, he yeah. was on that. He was on that like a couple of years ago. It was like every celebrity seemed to like break something. Yeah, I think they banned it now, haven't they? The show. Yeah, I'm not surprised because <laughs> it's just it's obviously terrible. 